Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Let us bring forth the love in our hearts. We're asking God that this love in our heart will spread abroad as the Word continue to minister to us. Revealing your mind and your spirit to us, O God. Thank you, precious Father, for the strength that you've given for us to be able to minister your word with the mind grace, with the mind grace, love, O God of glory, in the heart of the hearers, that they will receive this word as one sent by you to heal and to strengthen each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Pastor Francis. Dress this a little bit. Or just know it. Hallelujah. Last week I started a simple word, a simple series, and uh, we call it We Believe So We Speak. You remember that? So we just want to take the part two of it this morning, and I pray you pay close attention to what the Lord will have us share with you. Hallelujah. I started with Hebrew chapter 11, so we can go back there, Hebrew 11 verse number 6. Hebrew 11 verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The key point is, he that comes to the Lord must believe that God exists. You are actually confessing that I know that God exists. He's self-existing. He doesn't need any support. He that comes to the Lord must come to that understanding that in everything in creation is made by this God. He created all things. He brought all things to existence and is sustaining all things by the power of this world. He that comes to the Lord must believe that he is. Hallelujah. You must understand that he is. You must come to that conclusion in your heart that God exists. That no matter what the situation is, God is alive. Amen. Even if things this not to be what they should be, have that understanding and that conviction that God is alive. Praise the living God. He that comes to the Lord must believe that he is. And in your continuous believing and trusting, he reveals more of himself to you. He brings you to the place of what I would call actualizing that conviction by reason of the things that will begin to come to you. He says a reward there. That is to say, you can trust him to reward you in whatever dimension of life by which you seek in him. You have to have that conviction. By implication, if you are praying, you have to come to that conclusion as well within your spirit that God answers prayers and that you are not praying in vain. Hallelujah. It I come to the Lord, my belief that He is, and I say, What of them that diligently do what? Seek Him. And I'm saying, Your coming to the Lord does not exclude you from trials and situations that are hard in life. You know, you see, the scripture tells of 1 Corinthians 10. He made a strong statement and he said, There is no temptation that is taking you, but such that is common to man. 
But in the midst of the same temptation, God will make a way of escape that will be able to bear it. It is ability to bear the pressure you are in that God supplies. He's not taking you away from the pressure. Well, think about that. Economy is hard today in the country. Things are difficult. Does that exclude Christian from it? No. But the point is, in the midst of the difficult situation, he makes a way for you to be able to go through it. You slide through it, you ride through it. Whether it is a wave, you go through it. Amen? That is what the Bible is telling us. He said, the word of them that diligent the second. No matter the situation, God is able. Can I hear an amen to that? Look with me, 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 8. Hallelujah. For we will not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were praised out of measure, above strength, in a small that we despair even of life. Let's take it from a simpler translation. Don't forget, we, this Apostle Paul, with all the might, all the power, all the revelations that was in his life. Yes, his confession. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Amen? I, I want you to think about that. And some of you may be coming to that kind of situation. But I want to assure you this morning, if Paul finally goes through it, you are also going to go through your own. You are going to go through it. The ability to go through it, the strength to go through it, the grace to go through it, is supplied by God. So, in the first place, I used to tell people, sometimes they say, Pastor, you don't understand. I said, but there's nothing new under the sun. What you are passing through, somebody may be passing through it somewhere else under the globe. There's nothing new. There's nothing strange. And most of the things you are passing through are the things some other person have also passed through before. If they were able to sustain that life or go through it, why do you think yours will crush you and kill you? No matter what the level of pain or pressure you are passing through, I have an assurance for you, God is able to get through it. Praise the living God. So Paul is making a confession. The word despair, as you find in the, the King James, means to be utterly at lost. You come to a place where, I mean, you don't know exactly what to do. You think you are finished. You come to the place of being completely lost in terms of what, what else is remaining with life? You are lost. Utterly destitute of measure or resources. And that's another point. You come to the place where you begin to feel, that, oh my, I don't have money to meet my need. I don't have money to take care of myself. But if God has filled the ravens, if God has filled the best in the air, is still alive, God is going to supply your need. You have to believe this. Hallelujah. If God is taking care of the best in the bush, I mean, they got no farm, they got nothing whatsoever, but God is sustaining them. You are made in the likeness and the image of God. You have the very express image and the glory of God right within and inside of you. God will sustain you, no matter what situation it is. So we're talking of lack of resources. I mean, 
Your complaint of not having money is not new. It's always there. People are always thinking they don't have money. They always feel they don't have money. And of course we know not everybody have money as they should have. But what I'm saying is this. Whether you have the money or you don't have the money, you're going to go through life in the name of Jesus Christ. This is where you require and that the peace of God are passed on understanding will begin to flow through you and move through you. How you are going to go through the season, you can't tell. But you're going to see yourself on the other side. Hallelujah. You're going to see yourself on the other side. You won't sometimes come to the place of wondering, did I really go through this? I mean, you're going to look back and say, man, God, you are faithful. Praise God. Hallelujah. You talk about renouncing on hope, being despair. You know, so sometimes this is where people come to the place and say, well, I don't feel I'm living anymore. What are they trying to insinuate? I prefer to die. And which it is possible, death will just come. But can I tell you something? No matter how much you desire to die, you are not going to die. Can I hear an amen? You are not going to die. No matter how you desire, even if it is your desire, there are desires God will not grant. And this is one of them. Now you are going to die? No, you are not dying. You are going to live in the land of the living. You are going to declare the forcefulness of God. Amen? Go with me again to 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 11. For we which live, 2 Corinthians 4, 11. No, give me the King James. Let me see. Good. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. <clears throat> so then death walketh in us, but life in you. Now, this is talking about the preaching of the gospel. We have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. According to this region, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Now, I want you to get this. Remember, he took this from Psalm 116. Is that okay? Right. As it is written. So Paul is saying now, and that's something that gives you hope, courage. Now, why, why is this so? David had gone through this kind of pressure, and then he was able to make a confession that I know God is alive, right? I know I'm not going to die. In my haste, I was thinking there's no hope. He said, David went through that. Now he's saying, if David went through that, and he spoke life, and he came back to life, we also have the same spirit of faith that caused David to overcome his situation. Are you there with me? So, even at his reading, look at that. Praise the living God. What is it that's written? We have the same spirit of faith. That's the point I want you to pick there. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed and therefore have I was spoken. We also believe and therefore what? We speak. What do you believe? I expressly said this last week. It is what you believe that you speak. And it's what you speak that comes to you. Your confession is a system that produces whatever you are confessing. Your words are powerful 
to create the environment that you want for yourself. Your tomorrow is built by the confession you made now. Hallelujah. Are we still here? I need you to get this point right. If all you ever think about is your bad situation, and if all that ever comes from your mouth is your bad situation, you are not going to get out of that system until you change your confession. You got to understand it. So, your confession creates for you what ought to be coming to you, and it's called the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. It's called the spirit of faith. So, what do you believe? What are you convinced of? What is your, your goal? What is ahead of you? What are you seeing? Your confession is directly connected to what you envision. Amen? Praise the living God. You know, this is what we do sometimes, especially when maybe we are afflicted, maybe by, you know, you know, we have a wrong confession when you used to say, I have fever. You, you don't have to say you have fever. You can say, fever attacked me. You have fever means you possess fever. So if you possess fever, why do you want to be prayed for? Because it's your own. Hallelujah. If you have fever, why do you want treatment? You want the doctor to take away what belongs to you? So you don't have fever. Fever attacked you. Amen? Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? You see, these things are very, they are small, but they are mighty. Because the more you keep on saying, I have fever, that is, you are possessing that fever. But it's a fever attack me, and anything that attack you, you can attack back. Amen? Are you following me? So your confession is very important. Minor things, you, sometimes you think you're just joking. No, 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 no. You don't joke. When it comes to your life. You don't play with your life. By making negative confessions about your life. Is that okay? He said we have the same spirit of faith. The very type that David had. With all the problems that David was passing through. He could stay and say. I'm going to declare the goodness of God. In the land of the living. Nobody's going to bring me out. I mean out of it. I'm going to make the declaration. I'm going to be alive. I'm going to survive. I'm going to let people know God is still there for me. Hallelujah. And that should be your kind of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. Uh, David, when he wrote the book, like I said in Psalm 116, we're going to get there. I believe therefore by spoken. We also believe so that we speak what? The fulfillment of God's promises about our lives. So that's the point. Where are you going to start from? You're going to start from the things that God has given to us, at least in the beginning of this year. That became where you start from. What did God say concerning your life this year? What has God given to us as a corporate body? What scripture has it given to us? You start confessing those scriptures. You go back to those things that God has said. Because it is what God says that is going to fulfill. God's word will not return to him void. Amen? And so if God's word will not return to him void, go back and stay with what God said concerning you and keep on confessing it, keep on dwelling on it, keep on meditating on it. Let it become part of your life. Hallelujah. One of the great ministers in this country I stumbled on a video that he shared. I don't want to mention the name, but some of you, if you watch it, I don't know. But 
It's one of the great ministers in our nation, around the world, anywhere. Now, he had two daughters. One of them got crippled accidentally. Couldn't come up, you know, from staircase and was crawling and all of those things. And he tried to call his sister, come on, get your sister. I said, but I can't walk. Sister said, I can't walk. You know. And so, they were able to assist and they brought her up, upstairs, and then looking at the situation, they said, let's take him to the, take her to the doctor. So they take her to the doctor. And the doctor went through, did all whatever they are supposed to do. Nothing happened. And the doctor made a confession that probably as it is, the child may not be able to walk anymore. And that was it. But the father came up with something. And he said, he make a confession. He will walk and he will run. He will stand up. He will walk and he will run. He just keep repeating that. He just keep repeating that constantly because the doctor has given up. Finally, she was brought back home and she was there. But the father keep on saying that. I know he will, she will stand up I know she will walk. I know she will run. Guess what? That thing continued for a number of months, for a few months. And the next thing, actually, what happened? That girl stood up, began to walk, and then the next thing, she began to run. The word is powerful. The conviction in your heart will produce for you ordinarily what you can imagine. When you have that conviction, and you are confessing it regularly, the result will definitely come to you. So the father just keep on saying, I know she will stand up, she will walk, and then she will run. And that's the confession. No other thing, no form of prayers, whatever, just that confession. That conviction, the more you confess the things you want, remember what he said, we have the same spirit of faith. The more you confess the thing you want in your heart, the more you are building up energy, you might bring up in the spirit dimension. You are creating a new life for yourself. Praise the living God. Amen. So I want you to look at that and, and understand what Paul is saying here to us. Because I love for brevity. So what I'm saying is, God said, I am going to take care of you. The glory has come down. Your door shall not be shut. I mean, think about all that the Lord began to share with us in Isaiah chapter 60. So you go back there and begin to take all of those verses of scripture, especially verse 7 in particular. We talk about glorifying the house of his glory. You're going to see yourself and say, I am going to be glorified. I am the temple of God. I am the household of faith. I mean, I must be glorified. This house of God is going to be glorified. You put in the confession. You keep on saying it. You go into bed, you say it. Wake up in the morning, you say it. This is what God said. This is my own confession for the year and I'm going to stay by it until I see the glory of God come through in my life. Amen? Praise the living God. So God promises are fulfilled. The more you have that spirit of faith, you are fully convinced of the truth. Of the faith you believe in. Hallelujah. So we speak and testify that our deliverance is from God. We speak and testify that he does all that he needs to do. And not one of those things that promise us shall fail. We keep on confessing that. We keep on believing that. We keep on running with that. Anytime, wherever you find yourself, you are in the bathroom, I am going to be glorified. This house must be glorified. The glory of God is manifesting in my life. You keep on seeing yourself rising. Hallelujah. A new system, entirely the whole of your body, begin to respond to what you are confessing. Praise the living God. Amen. All right. So we speak 
Because we do what? We believe. So go with me now to Psalm 116. I'll read from verse number 8. <coughs> 116 verse number 8. Give me the NLT. Hallelujah. He has saved me from death. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> My eyes from tears. Can I hear another amen? My feet from stumbling. Can I hear another amen? And that is your portion this year. Amen. He save you from death. And he will continue to save you from death. He will clear your eyes of tears. He will stabilize your walk. You shall not fail. You shall not crumble. You shall not fall. Can I hear an amen? Praise the living God. Now David is speaking. Verse 9 he said. Verse number 9. And so, I walk in the last presence, and I live here on the earth. Amen? I shall live in the last presence as I live here on the earth. What he's saying is, nothing will take me out. In all my days, as I live on the earth, I'm going to live on the presence of the Lord. Amen? Nothing is taking me out. No power is going to crush me off. I'm going to live in the presence of the Lord. It's like saying, I have many years to fulfill. And nobody, and no power can be able to take me out. Hallelujah. Now remember, this is exactly what Paul is saying. As it is written, we speak because we do what? We believe. So, Paul is saying here, like David, nothing will take me out of this life. Nothing will crush me. I am going to fulfill the days that God has for me. All of the goodness of God will continue to follow me all the days of my life. I told you some time ago, you are not always alone when you walk. Two persons are always going with you. The goodness of God and the message of the Lord. The goodness of God and the message of the Lord. To follow you all the days of your life. Don't just quote that. As I mean, don't just quote it from scripture and leave it that way. Believe it. That the goodness of the Lord shall follow you all the days where of your life. So even if you are going to an interview, have that conviction. You are not there alone. Somebody is behind you. They might be interviewing you, but the goodness of God is sitting behind you. Hallelujah. The goodness of the Lord shall follow me all the days of what? Of my life. And so David is saying, I know I'm going to fulfill my life as God has promised. Nothing is going to take me out. I am going to live. Man, your confession should be, you are going to live. Amen. Nothing is going to take you out. Okay. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. Hallelujah. In my translation saying, in my discouragement, I taught. They were lying. Hallelujah. When they say, I will recover. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I mean, the Living Bible. You can check it out with yours. I believe in you. So I said, I deeply trouble, Lord. Here this one is saying, in my discouragement, I taught they are lying when they say, 
I will recover. The King James, go to the King James. <clears throat> go to King James on that very verse, verse 10. You see, I'll post it. I believe, therefore, I speak. I was greatly what? Afflicted. Then verse 12 says, verse 11 as well. That's verse 11. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now, this is what he's trying to say here. So, in the simpler translation, it says, In my discouragement, I thought they are lying when they say I will do what? I will recover. You come to a situation where people consolation sometimes means nothing to you. Is that okay? They try to encourage you, but if you say, no, 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 you, I wish you were in my shoes. If you were in my shoes, you will know what I'm talking about. Man, your shoes are going to change. Hallelujah. No, we don't want to see that shoe. We want that shoe change. So we're going to give you another shoe. Just listen to us. Amen. Because we know what we're talking about. Why? Because we believe. Praise the living God. You see, if you wear my shoes, you see, in my discouragement, I thought that every man is what? A liar. By saying, you are going to recover. Now, you call people lies. You think, oh, no, they don't have enough sympathy for you. You think because they don't understand your situation, that's why they are saying what they are saying. But that's not the truth. If you believe God, no matter what is going on, know for one cure, one short thing is this. I am going to live. I am not going to perish. My situation is changing. My condition is changing. God's word is forevermore. God's word is tried seventh and path perfect and pure and nothing can be added unto it. So if God said I have a life, I got to believe I have life. Hallelujah. Look at verse 12. But now what can I offer Jehovah? He said, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefit towards me? What are the benefits now? He saved me from that. He cleaned tears off my eyes. Hallelujah. He called my feet to be stable. When I was to die, he sustained me. So pursued me all over the place. But I got saved. Absalom was after me. I hit over, give all the stupid prophecies. But God was with me. Hallelujah. What can I render unto the Lord? We need to come to this place as well. Of really seeing God's goodness, God's hand upon our life. And we can say, what else can I really render? unto God. Amen. Praise the living God. So, but what can I offer Jehovah for all he has done for me? Now verse 13 says, I'll bring him an offering of wine and praise. His name for saving me. Amen. Verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation. 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon what? The name of the Lord. In other words, I am going to go and say, God, you are faithful. I will go to the congregation of the Lord and say, God, you are wonderful. You did well. You saved me. I don't have anything I can offer you, but I can praise you. I can thank you. I can appreciate you. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody is about to bear fruit. Somebody is about to bear fruit. Hallelujah. See a plant coming up and about to bear fruit. Somebody is ready to bear fruit. Verse 13 here. I will bring him an offering of wine and praise for his name of saving me. Verse 14. I will publicly bring him the sacrifice I vowed. Amen. Look at verse 14. Your King James. 
I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the praise of the poor of all his people. Why? Because of the things he has done. And sometimes we come to this place, it's like a covenant relationship. When we come to make some vow before God, sometimes people will say, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Well, fine. But I want to make you understand, when you go into that, that's a prayer. Vow itself is a prayer. You remember that? Remember what happened to Hannah? Hannah said, if you can give me this child, I give back the child to you. That was a vow. Is that okay? It entered a covenant relationship with God. Sometimes that when you make a vow, you are praying by the stronger dimension of covenant relationship. You are saying, if you can fulfill this, I'm going to fulfill this. I have this to do when you do this for me. Amen? It brings you into a bonding with God in a different dimension because you'll be watching over the vows and God also be watching over the vows. And let's see who is going to fail. God is not going to fail. It could be you that is going to fail. Amen? So, he said, I make this vow. I have to pay in the praise of the people. Look at verse 15. And that is what I'm most interested in today. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, here is where a lot of ministers miss it. And so, when somebody said, they will say, heaven has gained. But that's not what David is saying here. If you go from the top, David is saying, it's a painful thing for your child to die. That is why you saved me. Take another translation. Maybe a simpler one. Got a simpler one. Oh God. So, what are you doing? Give me an NLT. Verse 15 is what I want. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. He cares deeply. But my best translation is the living Bible. And this is what he put it. His lost ones are very precious to him. And he does not likely let them die. Did you understand that? He doesn't want you to die. That is why David is saying, you saved me from death, you wiped my tears, you kept my feet from stumbling. So he's summarizing what God has done. And he said, it is because of this pain you will have, if I die, that is why you preserve my life. Praise God. So can I say something to you? Even if death is knocking on your door, it is not going to enter. Why? Because it's painful when a child of God dies. Therefore, God will do whatever thing he wants to do. To do what? To keep you alive. That's what the Bible is saying. So David is saying, you really went, I mean, out of your way to preserve me. Now understand how painful it is for you if your child does what? Dies. So the King James did not bring it as presently the way it's supposed to be. You understand that? Yeah. It's confusing when you read the King James. Pressure in the sight of the Lord, the death of his saint. And people say, oh God, God feel very happy. Okay, if God feel very happy, if his saint dies, why are we still in church? We all should be dying so that God will get happier. If one die, is happy. If a thousand should die, he should be happier, isn't he? Praise God. Are you following me? 
So that's a mistranslation, a misunderstanding. Yet David is saying, you went out of your way to preserve my life. You went out of your way to wipe tears off my face. Now I understand that you don't want your child to do what? To die. So one thing you have to understand about is that God is giving you an assurance that is far from your tabernacle. Praise the living God. Verse 16 says, Oh Lord, you have freed me from my bounds and I will serve you forever. Oh Lord. Hallelujah. I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant. Born into your household. You have freed me from what? From chains. Can you see the connection now? That's what he's saying. You freed me from chains and God is going to set you loose. Every chain you are in, God is going to set you free from it. Hallelujah. So even if you are going through some pressure now, just have that understanding. God is out to set you free from it. God is out to heal that body. God is out to set you completely free. No matter the level of bondage you are passing through, God wants to set you free and is going to do it right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's financial bondage, it's going to set you free. What's your confession there? God is setting me free. God is setting me loose from poverty. From sickness, from pains, from oppression, God is setting me loose. Amen? Praise the living God. You see that woman that was in the well, I mean, in the temple, 18 years, bent double, and Jesus came, let her go, set her loose. Woman, thou art loose. God is ever prepared to set his people loose. Amen? To set his children loose. As long as he come to the Lord, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And one of the ways by which he rewards you is to set you loose from whatever bondages that you find yourself. Whatever situation you find yourself, God is going to set you loose. Praise the living God. So what is the Bible saying? What are we talking about? I believe, therefore what? I speak. So what are you going to be speaking? I am loose. I am free. Hallelujah. Whatever thing that have been a cage-like situation, I am loose from this pain. I'm loose from this situation. I'm loose from this power. No man can cage you. No man can oppress you. No spirit can put you down. I am loose. That is my confession. I believe, therefore, I speak. Are you with me, somebody? I need to get this point right so that your fear will disappear. This world we are sharing is a powerful world that can set your whole life a turnaround. It can change everything about your life. If only you can start to confess it. If only you can start to believe it. Remember what David said? In my haste, in my discouragement, I thought people who were saying you are going to recover, they are telling lies. I called them to be liars. But now I understand they were saying the truth that God will not allow his children to die just like that. You are not going to be dying like chicken. No. That is not part of you. Your children are not going to be dying like chicken. Not part of you. Hallelujah. You must come to that conclusion. My children are preserved of the Lord. My life is preserved of the Lord. Whatever belongs to me is sanctified by the Lord. If I possess whatever God is giving to me, it has to be yours. No man can take it from you. Can I hear an amen? Praise the living God. So we believe, therefore we do what? We speak. So I'm saying, on the whole of this your system or, or year or season that you find yourself, take up what you need to confess and stay by that confession. Remember what we said last week? Everything you see 
is temporary. What you don't see is permanent or eternal. The goodness of God for your life is an eternal reality. Hallelujah. The pains you are passing through now is temporary. It's all going to vanish. It's all going to disappear. The sickness in your body is all going to disappear. Hallelujah. It's temporary. Whatever you can see is temporary. What you don't see is permanent. That's why you operate by what? By faith. Therefore, we have the same spirit of faith to make the confession that my life is a precious one before the Lord. My life is so important before God. He will not allow the enemy to oppress me. He will not allow the sickness to kill me. He will not allow poverty to kill me. No, my life is precious. If he can face the bears of the air, he's going to feed me as well. If he can provide for the animal in the bush, God is going to provide for me. I believe, therefore, I speak. Let your confession be positive. Let your word about the Lord be positive. No, don't ask a question. God, where are you? God is ever existing. He that come to the Lord must believe that he is. So when you ask question, God, where are you? You are trying to say God does not exist. But we are saying God exists. For he that come to the Lord must believe that he exists. And is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. And he told the disciples, Lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. God is not forsaking you. So if God is not forsaking you, why ask the question, God, where are you? God is right where you are. It's right by your side. You know what? Sometimes you don't, I mean, you lost consciousness of the fact that God is present with you. Let me give you a simple trick to this. You see the disciples, when they were crossing the river, it was him that said they should cross the river. I mean, if you understand that, very good. It was him that said, let's cross to the other side. He went on the boat, went to the very front of the boat and started sleeping. And now they were crossing. And what's the next thing that happened? Storm came. Remember, he's the one that told them we should cross. Are you saying he didn't know the storm would come? He knew. But yet he said, go on. Hallelujah. By implication, as long as I'm with you in the boat, nothing's going to happen. The storm will come, but nothing will happen. Are you following that? This year will come, but nothing will happen. As long as I'm with you, praise the living God. So they started crossing, and the storm came, and now they were afraid. What's the next thing that happened? They went and woke him up. Can't you care that we're perishing? Can't you see this is going to kill us? And the next thing told them, oh year of what? Of little faith. So what are we talking about? Where is the Lord today with you? It's in your belly. It's in your heart. When things are difficult, wake him up. Wake up, Jesus. It's right here. Are you following what I'm talking about? He's always with you. Anywhere you go, he is with you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. Even as you are going and the storm is coming, he is with you. In the midst of the storm, just because he's there, the storm will finally bow before you. Hallelujah! So, you have your faith in God and say, man, the same spirit of faith. I believe I'm not perishing. I believe I'm not dying. I believe poverty is not killing me. I believe my resources are coming. What are we saying? I believe, therefore what? I speak. Whatever you speak is what you believe. What you believe is what you speak. And what you speak comes to you. Amen? Stand up. Let's talk to the Lord very briefly. I need you to talk to the Lord. What confessions have you ever had? 
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.